Hello and welcome to this morning's gathering. What a great week, eh? I mean, with weather like this, it's hard to be in a bad mood. Weather like this makes you feel hopeful, doesn't it? Makes you feel joyful. Makes whatever we're going through, whatever problems we're facing, that little bit more bearable. Strange how sunlight affects us in that way. But listen, whatever kind of week you've had, whatever kind of morning you've had, welcome. I am so glad you're here with us, and it is my hope that as we gather together, that we will be blessed by God's favor and blessing, and by the simple pleasure of being in each other's company. Shall we come together and start our day with the Lord's Prayer? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is done in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us for our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, now and forevermore. Amen. And now Kathy Pringle is going to bring us our first reading, which is from Paul's letter to the Ephesians. Our first reading is taken from the New Testament in the book of Ephesians, chapter 3, reading from verses 14 to 21. For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And I know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, for ever and ever. Amen. What a what a great passage. What a, it's a powerful and hopeful prayer, isn't it? I love how he ends it. Now, to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. And it is with those great reassuring words that we hold in our hearts as we now come before God in our prayer of approach. Will you join me? Father we come before you on this brand new morning. We thank you, Lord God, that though we are separated by time and space, yet we can still worship together. And we thank you for the opportunity to be amongst your family, all of us meeting together in the warmth of your embrace. 
You are the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, God of this world and the next. You are the Creator who spoke, and a universe burst into existence. An ocean broke against the shore. This world is yours, planned in eternity, created in sheer exuberant love, permeated indeed with love. This place is yours. In all of its beauty and simplicity, yours is the glory in the beauty of every sunrise and every sunset. Yours is the glory and the beauty in the buzz of every bumblebee, in the blue of every sky and the green of the countryside and the lushness of the landscapes. All of it well made. All of it, God, you have gifted to us. We give you thanks. We give you thanks for the promise of this new day and the new week that lies ahead of us. We give you thanks for all the potential for good that is wrapped up in this new day, for all the opportunities for us to do good and to be a blessing in the new week that lies ahead of us. We thank you also that because of Jesus, we can bring to you the sins we have committed in the past week. We can bring them into your presence and in your presence receive the mercy of your forgiveness and the restoring blessing of your grace. Thank you also, Father, that we can bring to you, our God, all the pains of our hurts, all the fears that trouble us, And leaving them with you, we can go from here, finding our hearts and minds strangely filled with your good, strong peace. And we can do all of these things and do do all of these things in the name of Jesus Christ, your Son, our Savior. Amen. And now, friends, Kathy is going to bring us a reading from John 6. It's a story that perhaps most of you are very familiar with. It's a story that perhaps even people who don't attend church and don't believe in the Christian faith have, have heard of and are very familiar with. But as Kathy reads it to you this morning, I just want to ask you a question as you listen to her reading Is this a story about a miraculous feeding or is Jesus trying to teach us a different way of seeing? Our second reading continues in the New Testament in the book of John, chapter 6, reading from verses 1 to 14. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee and a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the miraculous signs he had performed on the sick. Then Jesus went up on the mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover feast was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming towards him, He said to Philip, 
Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, Eight months' wages would not buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, Make the people sit down. There are plenty of grass in that place. And the men sat down, about five thousand of them. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to the disciples, Gather the pieces that are left over, let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled twelve baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. Amen. The feeding of the 5,000. It's one of the best-known stories in the New Testament. In fact, it's the only miracle done by Jesus that's recorded in all four Gospels. The scene is probably familiar to most of you. Huge crowd at the end of a long, hot day, feeling very hungry. Jesus turns to his apostles and asks them to do something about the need of the people. Philip, of course, has done the math. He has estimated the number of people in the crowd, how many loaves of bread it would take to feed them, the cost of a loaf of bread, and he has come to the conclusion that even if they spent half a year's wages, it would still not be enough for everyone present to get even a little to eat. So, says Philip, there's just not enough to go around. And his friend Andrew concurs. In fact, Andrew says, all we have here is what this little boy has to offer. There's, he has five loaves and two fish. But, I mean, what are they among so many? Actually, that's one fish for every two and a half thousand people and one loaf for every one thousand people. Based on the size of an average loaf today, I suppose that works out about one slice every 45 people. Andrew, like Philip, has done the math, and there is just not enough to go around. Have you ever had days like that? Days when you feel like you're down to your last five loaves and two fish. What do you do when you are down to your last five loaves and two fish? I've faced days like the one the apostles were facing that day. There were days when the needs were overwhelming, when the circumstances left me feeling powerless, when what was being asked of me was more than I could do. And like the apostles, I felt confused and sad and afraid and exhausted. Because these times were like the time it was in this story. It, it, it seemed as though things were getting dark and they were only going to get darker. And like the apostles, I just wanted to send the crowd away. I wanted the problems and the needs and the circumstances to just go away. You see, it was not just that I didn't have the resources to meet the needs, but I also began to beat up on myself. 
to think that I was not enough. I began to think I'm not enough to meet this challenge before me. There's something wrong with me. Have you ever felt like that? Let's look at this story again. Maybe there's something there that's not immediately obvious. What I mean is, what if this story is not about the physical need of the crowd? What if it is more about the emotional and spiritual myopia of the apostles? What if this story is not about stomachs, but actually about eyes? What if it's not about feeding, but more about seeing? See, the gospel writers tell us that Jesus and the apostles both saw the same crowd, but that they saw them differently. When the apostles said, send them away, they were more or less telling us that they saw the crowd as a math problem to be solved, or better still, outsourced. But Jesus, the writers tell us, saw the crowd and he had compassion on them. The apostles looked at their own resources and calculated that they were not enough. And they were right. There was not enough. Friends, when it comes to meeting the demands of kingdom ministry, there will never be enough, especially if we insist on purely doing the math. The truth is, doing the math is often how we approach life, especially church life. When we take that approach... We find that while counting what is there, we are actually more focused on what is not there. And pretty soon, the so-called reality of our circumstances blinds us to the possibilities of what might be. But instead, our vision becomes narrow, our world becomes small and increasingly dark. We are unable to see a way forward and unable to see Jesus in our midst. We have become accustomed to seeing life through the lens of scarcity and lack. As long as we approach life, especially church life, by simply doing the math, we will always come to the same conclusion as the apostles and always find a reason to send the crowd away. Friends, there will never be enough to go around. We will never have enough to go around. But you see, Jesus was not asking Philip to do the math. When Philip said, where are we to buy bread for these people to eat? Jesus was not asking Philip to solve a math problem. He was trying to teach Philip how to see the situation differently. So would Philip simply continue to focus on what was not there Or would he choose to focus on who was there, on the presence of Jesus in the equation? Think again about how Jesus saw this situation. Jesus, we are told, saw the crowd and he had compassion on them. In other words, he experiences their need at gut level. He feels their hunger and tiredness as though it is his own. In other words, he has a visceral reaction, not a purely rational one. He sees, as it were, not with the eyes of the mind, but with the eyes of the heart. His compassion 
allows him to see the five loaves and the two fish, not as a limitation, but as a possibility. And consequently, he has no desire to send the crowd away. He wants to remain with them and he wants them to remain with him. And so he makes room for them. What have we learned to see with the eyes of our heart? Would it help us to see our own needs and the needs of others very differently? The writer Stephen Covey tells a story of how one Sunday morning while he was traveling on the subway in New York, on a beautiful sunny Sunday morning, when the carriageway was mostly empty and he was settling down to read his favorite Sunday newspaper, at the next stop, a young man got on with four young children. The children were running wild up and down the carriageway, shouting at people, pulling at people's newspapers. Covey says as he watched this scene, he felt himself becoming frustrated and increasingly irritated to actually the point of anger with the young man. So he got up out of his seat and he went to the young man. He sat down beside him and he said, will you please take your children in hand. He says that the young man turned to him with a confused look on his face and then he said, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. We've just come from the hospital. Their mother's just died. And I don't know what to do. Covey says at that moment, something happened inside of him. He no longer saw these children and this distressed father as a problem to be solved. He saw them as human beings in need, human beings in pain. And that changed his whole response to them and to the situation. Friends, when we see with the eyes of our heart, our priorities change. In fact, we become more people-centered and less problem-orientated. The problem Jesus was addressing was not the lack of fish and bread for the crowd. In fact, he was addressing the lack of discernment and faith in the apostles. If I've discovered anything, I've discovered the truth of the words in Hebrews that says, faith is the substance of things hoped for. The abundance of God's presence in my experience is often hidden in plain sight. Often it is wrapped up in the illusion of scarcity. Abundance in the kingdom of God is less a resource to be counted. It's more of a way of seeing and in seeing that way to act in that way. I've learned, and I think we all have learned it, in one way or another, that our five loaves and two fish are never going to be enough. And the truth is, they were never meant to be. But if we, like the little boy in the story, put what we have, because that's all God wants, what we have, into the hands of Jesus, we might be surprised what he can do with those five loaves and those two fish. So let me close by asking you some questions, questions that I hope that will help you to move from seeing things purely with the eyes of the mind and help you to begin to see with the eyes of your heart. What is your compassion asking of you today? 
Who is it asking you to reach out to? And how will you act upon it? Will you act upon it? Or will you revert to the math that tells you, send them away? Or will you put, like the little boy, what you have into the hands of Jesus and let him work out the results? You and I will never know what we can do with our five loaves and two fish until we put them into the hands of Jesus, until we start to use them to feed the crowd. So friends, maybe it is time you and I stopped doing the math. Maybe it is time we started to set the table. God bless you. And now friends, let's join Alison as she leads us in the prayer of intercession. Loving Father, we come to you now with our prayers for others and for ourselves. As we hear about severe floods, hotter than normal temperatures and extremes of weather, we pray for those whose lives have been affected, those who have lost loved ones, livelihoods, homes. Be with them, Lord. As more and more we're told of the effects of climate change, help us to be good stewards of all you have given us and to be thoughtful in the way we use the resources of your creation. We pray for all who hold a position of authority in our world. May they use their influence wisely, with compassion, humanity and humility, and may all they do be pleasing to you. We pray for peace, Father, within families, within day-to-day relationships and between nations. Help us to treat each other with respect and love. We think now of your church throughout the world. We pray for its leaders, for all who further the work of your church and live out the message of the gospel. We pray for those persecuted for their faith in you. May they know that you are with them always. We pray for our local churches and for those in our communities working for you. And we pray for Tony, Yvonne and their family. We thank you for them and ask for your blessing on them. Father, we pray for the sick in either mind or body, for the bereaved and for those with sorrows and anxieties they don't feel able to share with others. May they find comfort knowing that you love and care for them and will never leave them. And now in the silence, Father, we name before you those people about whom we have concerns and ask for your blessing on them. We bring these, our prayers, to you today, Father, safe in the knowledge that there is nothing you cannot do. And, as Paul prayed for the Ephesians, we too ask that we may grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, in whose name we offer up these prayers to you. Amen. Well, friends, it's been good to spend time with you. Allow me now to pronounce the blessing upon you and upon yours as you go into this new day, as you embrace the promise and the potential of this coming week. May the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant 
brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep. May he equip you with every good thing for doing his will, and may he work in you what is pleasing to him. Through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory for ever and ever. Amen. God bless you, my friends. Have a great day and an even better week.